This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, just Nate Klaus today as Robin um, is not with us here for today's show, but Nate, it's July 29th and I know last week when we talked, I thought maybe we'd have a schedule in our hands or at least get a sniff of some Power 5 schedules out there and as of 1230 here on July 29th, we've got nothing. Nothing. Um, And it continues to kind of be this kind of kick the can down the road mentality of, all right, I'm going to wait to see what they do type of deal. And I think every league is waiting now as long as they can get away with. And let's face it, the, the situation out of Major League Baseball with the Florida Marlins, uh, I believe now up to 16 guys have tested positive. Uh, some recent ones came out of that. Um, and I think a lot of leaders want to watch that situation very closely uh, going forward. I mean, I, I still believe – the Power Five is going to play football. I don't know about the Group of Five, but I still believe the intention. Um, and you know, the Big Twelve media or the Big Twelve conference announced here on Wednesday that they will have a virtual media days on Monday. And to me, if you're not playing ball, yeah, there's why would you come out with that statement? And so you would think the Big Twelve is going to have a schedule out here very, very soon. Um, and you know, the SEC, the ACC, um, Pac-12, it'll be interesting to see kind of what move these leagues take. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that you're having going through the trouble of putting together virtual, you know, media days or whatever if you're not planning on playing. I, I, just, I don't think that makes any sense. Um, but I agree. I, I think it's. I think the Power Five is gonna is gonna play. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have to find a way. I think financially, um, there's there's just too much at stake to just go ahead and and call it a day and say, well, we'll look forward to to next year. I just. I don't see that happening, um, and I think, you know, the, the Major League Baseball thing probably didn't didn't help matters. Uh, although I'm, I like the way that Major League Baseball handled that. Uh, I think they could have overreacted initially and, and just C- shut it caved down. into the yeah, mob. Yeah, sh- sh- caved into the the mob and all the pressure, um, the the pushback that initially happened on social media and whatnot, and. And uh, and called it you know called it a wrap, uh, but they didn't, and we haven't seen or heard of any any other outbreaks or anything. Um, you know, I think I think that whatever happened to the Marlins, that that's kind of that's on the Marlins. Um, you know, and and obviously they weren't being careful there, but um, you know, I, I I do think there's they're going to have to find a way to play football, um, and and what it will look like when it will start, I think is the better question. Um, you know, that's still anyone's guess. And we've been, I feel like we've been saying that since like March or April. But. Well, Nebraska has been practicing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in mini camp right now. And I think what people don't realize Nate about college football is a lot of these teams have been together since June one in Nebraska's case, guys have been here since March, April, and, um, the whole team was here by late April. So they've been together. They've exposed one another with whatever they need to expose each other with. Um, so I, I think college football teams, honestly, are going to be a lot further down the line as far as gaining some sort of immunity to what's going on in the world. I mean, you're seeing it in New York. They were they were hit with the coronavirus first, and all of a sudden there's no cases there anymore. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think there is something to that. I mean, once the virus runs through your area and your community, 
um, you know, there's there begins to build up an immunity to it. And Nebraska, I, I believe, has had good luck, but they've had their team here. They've been on the cutting edge of testing and doing things with their team um, well before anybody was doing those things as far as um, getting tested on tests on players, et cetera. And you would just hate to see all that go out the window um, if something crazy happened to Big Ten football. Yeah, I mean, and I think the way that Nebraska's handled this, um, you know, and, and I don't know if they necessarily have that the herd immunity or, or whatever, but um, I mean, they've handled it as well as anybody and, and they've been, you know, it's been nice that they've been able to kind of lean on UNMC just right down the road for, uh, for advice and, and, and whatever. But um, yeah, I feel like the way that they've handled it and the way they've approached everything, they've probably have, have cut out a little bit of an edge for themselves, um, you know, compared to a lot of other teams around the country uh, with as much as they've, they've been around, you know, some guys didn't even leave. Uh, but, but the team as a whole, like you said, has been together since April. They've been, they've been doing workouts this summer. Um, they, you know, like you said, they started their, their mini camp. And, um, and I, I feel like, I feel like things, or at least the feeling that you have is that, that things, that they're feeling pretty good about things, that things are looking on the up and up, and, and uh, they may have carved out a little bit of an edge for themselves. Yeah, and every league is just kind of in a different spot right now. The ACC is trying to get Notre Dame worked into their, their puzzle as well as keeping those SEC non-conference games alive. The Big 12 is the outlier here. They want to play all 12 games, and um, you've got Big 12 schools like Iowa State and Oklahoma and Kansas – you know, scheduling week zero games yep. and the NCAA is evidently put in a blanket waiver that teams can now play week zero. No questions asked. And, you know, to me, that does make sense. If, if I, I if I were the Big Ten, I would want to play week zero. Yep. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but to me, give yourself instead of 13 weeks, give yourself 14 weeks to play 10 games. Uh, we know the Pac-12 is discussing a week three start, which is September 19th. Um, but you know that then that all of a sudden you got to probably extend your season into the first week or two in December, and does that really work in Lincoln? I I don't think so. So to me, I, I would rather play week zero and get games going, um, and, and and try to get a way to you know get this season started, um, to you know because you just don't know when this could ever turn again. Yeah, exactly. That's my whole thing is is uh, start the season on week zero, get as many games in as you can because. Um, yeah, who, who knows what things are going to look like in, in late October, early November or whatever. Um, you know, if you're pushing it back till mid or late September to start week three, um, you know, I, I think all of a sudden you may regret that if, if all of a, you know, if things, especially if other turn. leagues are playing and, and things are going like big 12 and yeah. gets their games and you're like, man, you yeah. missed a window there. I, I, yeah. I'm all about, you know, starting week zero, getting those games in, um, and, and seeing, seeing what happens. But um, at the very least, I, I do think that the Big Ten needs to start on week one and, and you know, have a schedule that, uh, that allows them to, to start plugging away and getting games in, too. And there's just so much political pressure that we could never even fathom from university leaders, yeah. state leaders. And you know, the, the Big Ten is a different dynamic than the SEC in, in, in some of these leagues. I mean, there, there is uh, a pretty good split of – uh, politics when you when you look at the conference overall and, and how some of these states are made up so um, I, I think it you know it, it will be interesting to see which way Kevin Warren goes uh, with the schedule um, you know practice will start next Friday I mean if, if you play week one practice starts next Friday if you're playing week zero like some of these teams are like Oklahoma you start practice this week on yeah. Friday so um, we're we're kind of hitting 
um, you know, crunch time here. A decision has to be made so you can move forward with camp, et cetera. Um, and I, I would just love to know what, what the, the holdup is right now for some of these conferences. What are they waiting on? Are they waiting to see, you know, what other situations happen with Major League Baseball, the NBA, yeah. whatever, um, of how they want to advance this? Don't you think, though, that – I mean, a lot of these decisions are going to be – financially motivated i mean at the end of the day regardless of politics and, and politics obviously are playing a large role in this but i still feel like the it's the the money is going to be influencing a lot of these decisions too and um, obviously you want to keep your student athletes and your coaches and, and everybody else that is associated with each football program safe but you also you still i mean the conference and and all the institutions within it are um, are needing to to make money and and you know keep everything else afloat too, don't you think? Well, no doubt. I mean, Nebraska, um, as we know, ha- has given a lot of money back to the school. Um, you know, ten million a year since they've got this full Big Ten check to give towards scholarships. To the point where twenty percent of UNL students are on a form of scholarship given from athletic department money. So they, yeah, and and, and just the. I mean, all that money, just what they do and how how much it helps the school. I know Minnesota Nate this week announced. Um, they will be 70% online, but dorms will be open, um, dining halls will be open, student unions, et cetera, with social distancing in place. So I thought that was interesting how Minnesota you know, made a big headline, at least, that they're going to be online. But then if you read the fine print, 70% online. <laughs> and then, by the way, our revenue stream of the dorms and the dining hall still open. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's kind of. Um, you're appeasing everybody, uh, trying to find a way to, to make everybody happy there because I don't know what the difference is really of, um, you know, being mostly online, but yet having, having all those bodies in a, in a, in a housing, um, you know, facility. But, uh, regardless, I mean, that you, I think that probably is going to have to be the model, uh, for, for everybody, whether it's for your, your regular students on campus or, or for athletics, trying to find a way to make everybody happy. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's what the holdup is. I, I don't know, but, uh, I definitely thought that we'd have uh, at least some answers by now. Cause we're, I mean, <laughs> any way you look at it, whenever it's starting, we're getting, we're getting time to, for where people need to know who they're playing when and when they're playing. All right. When we come back, uh, Nebraska added Nadab Joseph here as a late addition to their roster. We're going to discuss that and more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, has talked a little bit about the season. Really didn't tell you much. Mm -hmm. as I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure Nate's the same way, when you go somewhere – um, people like think you know like when they're going to play and what's going on and I'm like listen if I actually knew it'd be reported I mean I'm not going to sit on that information right now um, but we do have something we can report from Friday uh, Nate Nebraska added technically what, what will be their 25th addition to the 2020 recruiting class four-star junior college cornerback Nadab Joseph who played um, at Hutch um, Independence Independence I'm sorry Independence Dream U um, this past year, but was formerly in Alabama, formerly a Georgia recruit, uh, went Juco and correct me if I'm wrong, very similar to Keem green that he was not able to get back into an sec school this year because of the math rules. Yeah. So the, the sec for, for all their loopholes and, and whatever, you know, uh, 
advantages that they may have. The the one disadvantage um, that uh, that all their institutions within that conference has is if there's a, a transfer that takes an online course at a at a school other than um, you know the whatever ju- junior college or wherever they're transferring from, they are um, they're they're basically not allowed admission, um, especially if, if that's a, a math course. And um, Nadab Joseph, you know, he, he graduated. Uh, he was able to, to graduate from Independence Community College in May, but he still needed to replace grades on a handful of, of uh, you know, courses uh, to be able to transfer from Independence to, to a, a four-year college. And so um, he, Nebraska was was on him. They recruited him along with everybody else in the country. Uh, but you know, a lot of teams kind of fell off when it looked like he wasn't gonna to graduate from from Indy. And so, uh, but Nebraska stuck with him. Um, you know, and, and I think they kind of helped put together a plan. Uh, you know, as far as what classes he needed to to get uh, taken care of, so he could transfer. Uh, he ended up getting those grades and and committed to Nebraska and. Uh, but because he had to take, I think he took three classes uh, from at least two different schools online. And so, uh, but he got the grades he needed, and, uh, but that also kind of disqualified him from being able to transfer to the SEC. Nate, I'm going to play the cynical guy here and ask this to you. You know, Henry Gray just left, Jaden Francois just left, both Miami four-star defensive backs. What makes Nadab Joseph different than these guys um, I know he's ranked higher on rivals, but when yep. you compare him from what you know to the guys that didn't last year this that very long with the same ranking and guys that were from the same city, what's going to make this one different? Yeah, you know, and, and Nadab Joseph is he's from Miami, went to Norland High School. Um, you know, he's probably you know just he could very well live blocks away from either Henry Gray or or uh, Jaden Francois, and so. Um, yeah, and that's a great question. And, and people, some people have asked that. I think, I think one thing that, um, that I can tell you is that moving to Lincoln, Nebraska for Nadab Joseph is not going to be a culture shock because of independence, because Kansas. of independence community college. I mean, he, he's in independence, Kansas. Um, you know, and I, I don't know exactly how many people live in independence, but it's probably less than 10,000. Uh, I would say, I mean, it's, it's a small, it's a small town and it's, kind of in the middle of nowhere, like a lot of the, the Jayhawk League schools are. And so, um, you know, going from Miami to Indy, um, you know, I, I think with, if, you can, if you can do that and graduate, uh, get out of there in, in two years, then I think you're going to be just fine. Um, and, and I've talked with a lot of people that know Nadab, uh, that uh, coaches at Independence Community College, and they told me that, going to Lincoln, that's going to be a place where he could actually flourish, um, you know, because it's still a place where there aren't a ton of uh, distractions. You know, there, there's the, not the, the you know, the big city, you know, glitz and glamour uh, that I think, you know, some kids can can get in trouble with. But yet there there are also enough resources for him to um, to, to flourish. And 
and they've told me that you know what he also knows that this is you know something that you know he had to put in a little extra work in to make happen to get to a four-year school and he's got one last shot here because he didn't qualify out of high school uh he, he cut it real close here out of junior college and so this is kind of his last big shot to to go ahead and get to where he wants to go which is ultimately the nfl and independence kansas by the way nate 8600 okay. so you're close yep. less than 10 it, those juco towns always remind me of like mccook nebraska yeah. you know they have a they have a junior college in mccook and you know just very proud blue collar type communities um, that have a college and obviously you intermix kind of the normal students that go there which are more non-traditional students with with your athletes um, that come in from all over the country you know the, the Jayhawk League too they've gone back like they're not gonna they, they had kind of the open roster where you could have players from everywhere now it's it's back to an in-state rule right yeah yeah so they've got they've got the in-state rule um, which has made in-state recruiting extremely competitive. Like Jake again. Sharp's combine we went to a couple exactly. of, you guys were at a couple yep, weeks ago. And that was pretty much every Jayhawk League uh, football staff was was at that, that showcase uh, because in-state recruiting now all of a sudden is, is very competitive again. I know a lot of the in-state coaches, a lot of the high school coaches in Kansas were not happy when, when they kind of opened up the limits and allowed – um, you know, allowed the schools to to, uh, to take a bunch of out of state players. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy when you go to any of those junior colleges, whether it's Garden City or Independence, or Hutch, wherever. Um, you know, the the overall amount of students. I mean, it's probably they're probably pushing 40, 50 percent are athletes of some sort. Uh, whether it's you know football or or basketball, track and field. I mean. Um, a big, large majority of, of those students are, are made up of, of uh, athletes. And so, um, you know, without those programs, that the college is, is going to suffer. But um, so they, I mean, they do do whatever, you know, you know kind of help those guys get out and everything. And, and Nadab Joseph was, uh, was able to do that. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Nate, and on a Last Chance You, what was the name of that carnival and in independence they did? They, oh, it was like Neo Hollow or yeah. something like that. It's, it's Halloween backwards. I, I just envisioned you and Greg Peterson on a trip down there taking in the Neo Hollow or ca- carnival. Yeah. Well, I missed it. When I went uh, to the game this past year, um, you know, I, I, we, I, it was in November, I believe. It was after. It's either right before or right after um, Halloween, so I, I, unfortunately I missed it. But I did see the uh, you know the the last chance you they did they you know they filmed out in California last year, uh, but they did come back to the game that I went to against Highland. Uh, they were there filming to kind of check back in to see how the season was going uh, for the for the indie for the Dream U Pirates. There. I'm interested in the the new ones based in Oakland. Yeah, Laney College. So yeah, I, I'm interested to see what it's like. I wish, I wish maybe they would have stuck with uh, with a program that's a little bit maybe more well known or whatever. It, the California JUCOs in general, um, the level of play is not as well, good. Yeah, and, and it's just kind of a different entity since they're own, they're their own league. You know, they're not they're not mixed up with. Uh, with the uh, Mississippi and the Jayhawk and the Iowa, you know, all the others, uh, all the other conferences and leagues across the country, uh, California just does California. So it, I think a lot of those teams, a lot of those schools kind of maybe fly a little bit, a little bit more under the radar than, than the, uh, the others. It'd be cool if some sort of organizer could get a game where the California champ played the Juco champ. And but you know it costs a lot of money. Yeah, and, and I know that's been that's something that's been 
tossed around and talked about before, but for whatever reason, uh, probably a number of reasons, it just has never happened. Well, Nebraska gets Nadab Joseph at Independence College. Um, still no word on if they'll get those scholarships back to count so then they can have two additionals to use with Henry Gray and uh, Francois, but there's no doubt the addition of Joseph uh, makes up for the loss of those guys. All right, when we come back, uh, we'll continue the discussion here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as uh, earlier here in the week, Nebraska's offensive coordinator Matt Lubick talked for the first time. He was on the Husker Sports Network and had a lot of interesting things to say, but kind of Nate, the theme with all these coaches when they've given their preseason predictions um, or you know, analysis, I mean, they've been very, very vanilla um, definitely have not tried to hype up newcomers of any kind. And I know the, the Red Sea Scrolls, he didn't have, you know, Matt, I think our board would, would love Matt Lubick to call Omar Manning the best receiver ever, <laughs> and he will break school records yeah. and start day one. And he didn't say that. He said, you know, he's got to learn the system and we'll see where he's at. And, I, I, you know, I think these coaches have definitely tried to tone down the hype meter, so to speak. Well, and I think it's smart. I mean, everyone wants to know – you know, I mean, let's face it, we, no one w- likes coach speak or, you know, any of the, the toned down stuff. And we all want to know exactly what their, you know, what the real thoughts are and everything. And, and a lot of times you can still gather that through what is being said, but um, I don't blame them one bit for, for not wanting to heap expectations on to some guys, especially some newcomers where, um, you know, as good as they have been and, and, you know, regardless of what they've done in the past, I mean, they, they still haven't proved anything yet. And so, um, you know, and I don't blame him, um, especially being a, the new guy on the staff. Um, you know, I, I think it would, might be, might, it might not be the, the best look or, or best for him to, to come guns blazing and, and heap a bunch of praise and expectations on guys only to, you know, in case you fell flat on your face um, you know, this season. But uh, I, I still think there's a lot of good that, that came out from what he said. And, and, um, and there's a lot of truth to it, too. I mean, Omar Manning does have to learn the system. Uh, you know, he's been here this summer and he's been working out and everything, but uh, he still needs to, to learn the system and go out and improve it. You're listening here to the Husker Online shows. We talk receivers. I did find it interesting, though, his comment about Alante Brown. They've just gotten a taste of him, um, but he thought maybe he would be their fastest guy they have. And, that, uh, and that's saying something because there's some speed in that receiver group with Demarion Houston, Jamie Nance, Wandell Robinson, Marcus Fleming. Yep. Um, and, you know, they're, they're really high on Alante Brown. And we heard a lot from Scott Frost and others about him just in the limited time they got to see him in the spring. Um, he brought up the fact he was a former high school quarterback, so his knowledge of the game is is higher than most players. Yeah, how he processes information, how fast he learns. Um, you know, in, in addition to his his uh, you know, athletic ability, I mean, I, I think that um, you know from what we've been hearing, it, it sounds more and more like Alante Brown could be you know one of those sleepers or one of those one of the steals of of the class. And they signed a lot of really really good wide receivers in last year's recruiting class. And um, you know Alante Brown was considered one of the top prep school prospects in the country. And um, you know I, I think that uh, you know I think he's in prime position to go out and, and make an early impact in his career. Yeah, it will be interesting just to see. Um, 
what that starting group looks like. We think Wondell Robinson, probably Cade Warner's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I thought too, it was interesting. He said that Chris Hickman is actually playing a duck R, um, which, you know, to me, that's probably a more yeah. formational blocking, you know, disguise type of look, um, you know, because he's a completely different skill set than a Wondell Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, they couldn't be different different players there. Um, you know, Wandell's probably five nine. Uh, you know, uh, in shoes, and uh, you know, is is uh, you know, lightning in a bottle. And and Hickman is pushing what six five probably over well over two hundred pounds, and and uh, he's athletic, but he's a different type of athletic than than what, what Wandell is. So. Um, yeah, that is interesting to to know that he's playing or getting some reps at that duck R position. Yeah, to me, when you were scouting Nebraska or watching them come with formational changes and personnel changes, and you see him come in the game, it'll be interesting how opposing teams look at that uh, because you know, oh, it's a receiver. We need to match him up with a um, with a defensive back. Then all of a sudden, maybe you create an advantage for the running game in the blocking by having you know a much more physical body on a defensive back out there. Um, wherever that matchup might be on the field, or will teams say, oh, Hickman's going in the game, it's a run play, we better keep the linebacker out there instead, and then is he quick enough to maybe beat that linebacker? Exactly, yeah. Well, And what we know from last year is that Chris Hickman is not afraid to go out and block and, and get blocks on the perimeter. Um, and so I do think that um, you know teams that have scouted really well might see him go out there and think, okay, well, this is a run play. But, um, you know, from, from being around Chris and, and from seeing him in high school, we know he's, he's a really athletic kid that can run too. And so if he does get a matchup, um, you know, if, if he is against a linebacker or something, um, you know, that's, that's in the favor of, of Chris Hickman right there, that's for sure. Yeah, Cade Warner, he said, might be um, one of the more mature players he's coached. And to me, there's no doubt Warner will be given a scholarship. They're going to have four or five to give. Um, and I think Luke Reimer, Nate, Cade Warner are going to get one here. They're going to both get one. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Cade Mueller, uh, I believe it's a, the, the long snapper, could have a chance. He's going to be the guy that they're looking at for that long snapping position. Um, so you, you could go down the line. Uh, Damian Jackson, um, by yeah. the way, he, is he like the spotter for every guy in the <laughs> weight room? It's Chris Chris Walker and Damian Jackson literally are the spotter on every one of those videos. Yeah, if I didn't know better, I would think that both Jackson and, and Walker were on the strength staff. <laughs> like they were coaches in there. And they have another year left yeah, this year. Yeah, and they both do. So, um, And who knows? Maybe they <laughs> – I would be surprised if they did end up becoming – uh, strength conditioning coaches themselves but um, yeah it seems like they live in there and, and they are involved in uh, pretty much every every big time lift anytime someone's pushing a lot of weight it seems like one of those two is uh, is spotting or or giving encouragement I love when uh, coach Duvall is like deeper lower <laughs> I mean anybody that played high school football and you know did a heavy weight room program you always had that strength coach or your head coach in our case yep. would be I mean I remember guys would get thrown back out to to redo their rep if they didn't go low enough and you know they, they preached the form and I'll tell you one guy that goes low Nash Hutmacher holy yeah. cow I mean the weight he's pushing and has – I mean, he, I don't know if there's been a freshman, Nate, as strong as Nash Hutmacher that I've seen at Nebraska in terms of the weight room and what's on that bar. Yeah, in time, yeah, in terms of the actual weight that he's pushing, 
I mean, I yeah, I'd be hard pressed to to come up with a, a name of another guy that that was you know showed up on campus as strong as as Nash Hutmacher has. Uh, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible the the amount of weight that he's pushing, and it's a testament to the hard work that he put in in high school, and um, you know, and and really to to his father the way that he you know kind of. Uh, raised him and, and helped him too. I mean, you look at Joe Hutmacher and and it's no surprise that that Nash is is probably one of the strongest guys on the team already because Joe is not a small guy and he basically lives in the weight room still. And there, Nash, you think will be a nose, right? I mean, that's, that's yeah, kind of yeah, his, he's going to be a nose. I mean, I think that um, you know, he might be able to to play end in in some certain packages but yeah he's he's a nose um you know that's his natural position i think and um i mean he's he's a 310 320 pound or he's going to be a 310 320 pound um you know uh, block and there. he can get low yeah it can get low and and he, he's not going to be able to move him um or it's going to be very difficult to move a guy like that with as strong and athletic as he is because when you know his wrestling background you're like okay you, we know that guy can move quick and he can get low yeah because if you're a good wrestler like that you're gonna have to move quick and you have to get low on people to win and um he's ideally the the nose of the future of this program it may not be this year obviously but you know by 21 22 I think we're going to be seeing a lot of him on the field. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, and the nice thing too is, I mean, he's he's going to be a guy that can go out there and, and at the very least play in four games this year, so you get a look at what he can do. But um, you know, for a fact that he physically he's going to be able to go out there and, and hold his own um, right away. I mean, there's no absolutely no question about that, which is kind of the opposite of what you usually say usually when you've got a, an, an offensive or defensive lineman coming into the program as a true freshman you're not expecting them to be able to go out there and, and you know withstand physically against that competition so for him I think it's going to be about kind of adjusting to this level of play and just learning the playbook um, you know because he is coming from small class in, in South Dakota he's obviously never played against uh, athletes uh, as big as and as strong as what he's going to face but um it's probably more of the mental aspect instead of the physical uh, that i think is is going to be his biggest adjustment all right when we come back we'll take your questions in the mailbag you're listening here to husker online this is huskeronline.com your authority on nebraska athletics and we're back here on the husker online show sean callahan and nate klaus taking your questions in the mailbag this week and Obviously, lots of questions. I wish we had some more answers to some of these questions. Uh, but, Nate, uh, first question out of the gates, what are the chances the Big Ten uh, completely redid everyone's schedule instead of trying to patch in an extra game here and there? And I would say it's it's fairly likely. Um, I, I think divisional games are going to get precedence. Uh, but then that makes the argument, do you really want Ohio State-Michigan not to be the last game of the year? But will we get to a last game of the year? I mean, there's so many unknowns on schedules right now. Yeah, there's so many unknowns. But I would not be surprised one bit if if they basically retooled everyone's schedule. Um, you know, maybe outside of the the first game and the last game. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if all the, everything else in between was was adjusted in some sort of way. So, um, and and I would think that a lot of that too is probably driven by the networks you know what fox what games fox wants to see what matchups they want to see them and when they you know uh what games they want and when they want them i would think that that probably plays played some sort of factor in into the the new schedules 
in my mind, I could see this, a Thursday game, one Big Ten game, one Friday game, and then then you parcel out the rest on Saturday where there's very few doubleheaders. Yep. Where if you're a Big Ten football fan, you're going to be able to see almost every game head-to-head other than maybe a coinciding BTN kick with Fox Sports Network, yep. et cetera. But I, I think if you're going to maximize this model that they're going to try to go with, I, I think you have to not have as many head-to-head conflicts as possible, and that might be playing on a Thursday or Friday yeah. when you normally can't do that because the campuses and the crowds won't allow it. But this is a year where you're like, all right, we can't make money off the stadium with the crowds, so we got to make money back with the TV. Yeah, I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. In fact, I'd never even thought about that before, but it makes it makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's one way to recoup that that money. I think that if a network could, you know, if if the 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 TV networks if they'd be able to to lay it out that way, I mean, they'd be sitting pretty and and be able to to kick back to the conference. Yeah, it's there 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 used to be great Thursday night college football, great games. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember growing up watching Tiki Barber beat Florida State on a Thursday night game when I was a freshman in high school and going I mean, used to kind of want to be home to watch that one Thursday night game because yep. it usually was a good game. Nebraska played Texas Tech on a Thursday, they played Oklahoma State on a Thursday way back in the day. But then the NFL recently has gone to Thursday, and everybody's like, oh, no, we're not going to go against the NFL um, on Thursday night. But I think in this case, college football has a case to try to at least play Thursday and Fridays more often than not because of the maximization of the windows. Yeah, well, I mean – there's always the there's the Mac is always playing on Tuesday Thursday. Tuesday Wednesdays yeah and so I mean and, and they've done well I mean I think if you did put a if you put a Big Ten game on especially like a marquee Big Ten game on that would draw that's going to draw eyeballs now Monday I I think everybody stays away from Monday yeah I mean, and I really think Tuesday Wednesday is a stretch but yeah I think Thursday Friday is doable to package in some games so we'll see where that goes. All right, Nate, this is an interesting question. Why does Nebraska seem to always have more transfers than other schools? And, okay, I'm going to go down the list of guys that have left the program since the season ended. Andre Hunt, Katerian Legrone. They were both, obviously, legal problems. They had, they had to leave the program. Pernell Jefferson, never played ever at Nebraska. He's grad transferring. Yep. John Raritan, medically retired or retired from the game of football. Tony Butler, left as a grad transfer. Never played it down to football in Nebraska. It was a Mike Riley recruit. Jalen Bradley uh, was not going to be in the mix at running back, and he's going to go to South Dakota State. I don't think it's been announced yet, but Darian Chase played as a freshman. is going to go to Portland State now, play at Portland State. Um, then you look at Barrett Pickering, medical. McQuitty is going to maybe go to South Dakota now, I've heard. Um, he took a medical, though. He left the game. Javon McQuitty is a receiver. So these are the guys that have left since the season. And i got a couple more to go. Now, these were, these were more of the significant names. J.D. Spielman, that's obviously a significant blow to Nebraska. Noah Vedrill, the depth of the quarterback position. But he's going to start at Rutgers. You can't really blame him. And the Spielman thing, there's a lot more to that story, obviously, with his personal well-being and, and everything else. Yeah. Then, you know – Jerron Woodyard grad transferred to Marshall because he wasn't in the plans of, as the play as a receiver. Henry Gray and Francois, I think those are probably the two that, you know, you, you could say they, they just got here. But when you go through all those names that I just went through down the list of guys that have left, um, and, you know, if you count Maurice Washington, there's 14 names. But really only two or three were significant or higher profile losses, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not – none of very few of those guys are, are players were – 
you you look and say, well, geez, they're I mean they're they're just losing key contributors. Spielman is. Yeah, yeah. Spielman's one of those guys, and I understand you know if you're a fan and you're you're frustrated by the fact that Henry Gray and Jaden Francois have already left the program before they even got to fall camp. And I mean, and and rightfully so. I mean, there's but but I, I think that first of all. When there's a player that transfers, whether it is a J.D. Spielman or whether it's Pernell Jefferson, uh, at a place like Nebraska, it gets covered by multiple outlets and, and maybe looks like it's a bigger deal than what it normally would be. Where at Iowa State? Yeah, that doesn't even – doesn't make the radar. Yeah, it's not even a blip Minneapolis Star Tribune, they're, they're not covering it that no. heavily at Minnesota. And so, and plus, I think Nebraska fans are also kind of in their own little bubble, and so – they're aware of – I mean, they're just by the by nature, Nebraska fan knows every aspect of the program. And so they they are aware of every player that moves on, whereas um, you're not aware of how many players have transferred out of Miami or, or you know, Virginia Tech or wherever. And so I think it looks uh, – you know, it just – it seems like Nebraska is losing a bunch of players, whereas – I don't know if, if the fans really have any idea of how many players, you know, other programs have leaving. And so, um, and the other thing too is, is I, I do think that when you are a football program that recruits nationally, you are going to be more susceptible. There's more things in between those exactly. kids. There's more variables in play. And so then there's going to be more, more uh, attrition because of that. And, and so, and it's just, it's just part of it. You, you are going to see that happen more at, at Nebraska than you're going to see it at a, at a program, you know, like a Texas or something where they can theoretically recruit their entire recruiting class from, from their own in-state. So there's, there's things that Nebraska fans care about that you don't see very many other fan bases like get that into. They, Nebraska fans care about who the nickel corner is. They yeah. care about who the dime corner is. They want to know if you're going to rotate in a swing offensive lineman. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. they, they want to know who's going to be a holder. <laughs> and what, what walk-ons are most likely to, to go on scholarship. Like, Can you imagine if we covered Alabama or USC or somewhere like that and, and you asked like Nick Saban, like, what walk-ons have a chance to play? I mean, it's different here than yeah. a lot of places in that context. And that's what makes this a great place, too. I mean, there's a lot of unique elements. But uh, all right, Nate, I want to get to, let's see, Final question here. Uh, we kind of went long on that one, so I'm going to end it on this one. What is your favorite sports feel-good movie? And I'll go first. Mine was Rudy. Um, I don't know. I, I just think that movie itself, for me, um, you know, it just really hits home how hard he worked and, and what he went through and, and to see it all pay off at the end. I mean, that that one gets me. And you got weird like cameo appearances in that movie, like Vince Vaughn's a young actor in that movie. Yeah. Um, John Favreau um, is his roommate um, yeah. in, the, in that movie as well. So there's just something about Rudy that gets me every time. My other favorite sports movie would be Hoop Dreams. Um, it's really not a movie, it's a documentary, but it really, truly, for what they captured over five years, it was such a real story. And, and that always will be one of my favorite sports movies slash documentaries. It won a lot of awards uh, back in the 90s. Yeah, I don't think you can really argue with Rudy. Uh, I think that's... To me, that's probably like the universal feel-good sports movie. I, I just I don't, Hoosiers, yeah, Hoosiers is too. Um, you know, and I, I think that 
Um, you know, another one that I like is, is um, you know, I don't know if you would necessarily call it a, a feel-good movie or, or if it'd fall into the same category as a Rudy, but, like, Remember the Titans. You oh, know, yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's that's a good one, a good classic sports movie. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think you could any, – any of those is, uh, is right up there for me on my list. Coach Boone and Coach Yo, so he used to come down in the Army All-American yeah. Bowl every year, and uh, I got to meet him one year, and it was kind of cool. I mean, just like, whoa. I mean, these, that movie was such a great story, how they told that movie. But, yeah, you can go down the line. You know, a sports movie, to make it feel good, they obviously got to win. You know, you, yeah. like Friday Night Lights was a good movie. But, man, I wish they would have beat Dallas Carter. Yeah. You just would have, like, left feeling much better if they would have won that game at the yep. end. Yeah, that was that would have changed it all. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the, the story is, is a little different. Um, it was still – yeah, that's that's another really good sports movie, though, I think, that, uh, that a lot of people have watched and like. Major League? Major League, well, yeah. I, I don't know if that's – yeah, I guess that is kind of a feel-good uh, movie. Every time yeah. we win, we peel a section. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is that's one of my favorites too, um, the major league, and uh, I think each one maybe was not quite as good as as the the first or the you know, uh, but and that's that's pretty common. But yeah, major league is is got to be right up there. All right, when we come back, there was a big football camp in Omaha over the weekend. It was a who's who of local talent. Nate Klaus will give us the full breakdown as we wrap up the show next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the program, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washoe will be back with us next week as this segment, Nate, of the Husker Online show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate, it's been almost a year uh, since you had your um, your correction uh, vision surgery, uh, what's the latest greatest going on with Coogler Vision? Yeah, Coogler Vision still doing their their online consultations. Um, they're obviously open for for uh, you know surgeries, and and you can go to CougarVision.com, schedule your your online consultation. Uh, it's really slick the way that they have it all set up. You can take a quiz to see what type of vision correction you may qualify for. There's seven, I think, seven different uh, ways that, that they can correct your vision, uh, depending on, on uh, your, your vision. And um, the whole process is, is virtually uh, touch-free. So there's no interaction. Um, they can figure it all out for you. That's uh, super easy and quick. Uh, go to CooglerVision.com, take the quiz, and, and schedule your online consultation today. All right, Nate. Well, let's get down to it. Uh, you and Greg Peterson covered probably what will be our final camp of the year. We got into this year, which is probably yeah. more than we thought a while back. Yeah. But uh, Jake Sharp had a great camp in Salina. But then locally, Steve Warren and the Warren Academy um, you know, hosted arguably one of the better events we've seen locally in our time covering camps. Um, number one, because the talent's really good in the area. But number two, I think Steve's got a great reputation. A lot of kids respect and trust his name and brand. And that camp delivered, Nate. There was a lot of major Division One talent that took part in the Warren Academy Showcase on Saturday. Yeah, there really was. I mean, it was, it was from top to bottom, it, it has to be the best, I think, in-state camp that I've that I've ever been to um you know and, and that's you know partly because it was an invite only deal and it wasn't open to the public where you had guys that hadn't even played varsity football before you know showing up and or maybe they had no no um you know 
didn't really deserve to be out there or hadn't earned their way out to being in a, in a showcase showcase. Those type. kids come and they're like, this is my shot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when you've got a, you know, a five, nine, 230 pound offensive lineman, um, you know, showing up, it, that, that wasn't the case. It, it, they were all really good players. Um, and there's still probably a lot of good players out there that didn't get an invite, but, um, so I'm not saying if you didn't go that you weren't anybody, but, uh, I think from top to bottom is probably the, the most talented, uh, you know, type of camp or showcase event that, that I've been to in the state of Nebraska. And so, um, you know, I was, it was super, super impressed with it. Uh, the way they laid it out, obviously the way that they handled things, given the current situation the, with COVID and everything, you know, with the, um, you know, everyone was wearing masks. Everyone had to, to take a, you know, a questionnaire um, and, and have their temperatures taken before you entered the, the, the building. And um, it was, uh, you know, headlined by Thomas Fedoni, who's not only one of the, you know, the best prospect in the area, but one of the best overall prospects in the country. And when you've got a guy like that who's going out and is testing uh, you know, he ran his 40, his pro agility, his vertical, and he's out there. 37 plus inch vertical. Yep, 37.4 inch vertical, uh, 463 electronic 40 yard dash. He's, so that's a legit verified electronic. Yes. So he's closer to a 4 5 hand. Yes, 4 saying. 5 hand. Yeah. Wow. And, uh, um, and at 6 5 in some change and 200, and I think it was 223 or 224. Um, so he's got NFL combine yes. type numbers as a senior to be. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't even know if he's 18 years old yet. So, I mean, he's, he's on a different level. There aren't too many guys that are, that are made like Thomas Fedoni, but when you've got a guy like that, who is working his tail off, um, doesn't have anything to prove to anybody, but is going out there and competing and working hard and pushing guys, I think that kind of raised the level of competition of everybody else. And so um, it was it was a pleasure to watch him compete, but it was also a pleasure to see a guy like James Carney from Firth, uh, Nebraska, Norris High School going out there. Ball State recruit right uh, now. Yeah, Miami, Ohio. Oh, Miami, yeah, yep. sorry, Miami, Ohio. Um, who – it, and go toe to toe with a guy like Thomas Fedoni. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, and, and that was the first time I'd seen both of those guys really compete live in person. And um, and I was, I was could not have been more impressed. Uh, but I mean, the list goes on and on. The tight end position as a whole. Was, Micah Riley was there too. Micah Riley was there. Didn't didn't work out. Um, didn't do all the all the all the tests or. Uh, the one-on-ones, but he was there. Caden Helms uh, from Bellevue West, um, the the 2022. Um, he's a guy I've continued to be more and more impressed with. Who is is really changed an awful lot since we saw him finish. Just Iowa State offer on him, yo. Just Iowa State, but he's going to be. He's a guy. He's he, a power five. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's power five, uh, no question. Um, Eli Raritan was somebody that really impressed me, and that's a name people are going to know. Um, his dad or his his grandpa Scott Scott played at Nebraska was all conference at Nebraska um, his uncle John uh, just medically retired from Nebraska his dad actually um, signed with Notre Dame uh, out of high school was an army all-american uh, that ended up going to uh, Notre Dame but he's 6'6 225 pounds so a lot taller than his his uncles and yes grandpa. Uh, but his his dad is is really really tall uh, his dad's six 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 seven. Uh, so he got his dad's height there, but 
Uh, he was somebody who I was really impressed with. He has Iowa State and Buffalo as offers right now. And, um, boy, I mean, he's he's going to be a big-time uh, tight end recruit for the 2022 class, too. I mean, he's – Iowa keeps making them, man. Yeah, I mean, mm. it's crazy. But, um, I mean, and like I said, the list goes on and on. Um, and there's even, you know, a freshman uh, from Pierce that I was really impressed with by the name of Ben Brommer. Well, that's Coach Br- Bramer's kid, yeah. right? Um, Mark Bramer is the longtime Purdue co- – or um, Pierce coach. Pierce coach, yeah. Tyler Legate, former Husker fullback, is an assistant there. He runs the wrestling program. Uh, but Bramer, you know, has been the principal and the head coach there for many, many years. Yeah, and he he was uh, really a kid that that caught my attention immediately because he's he's a big kid. He's a little on the skinny side, but he's only just finished his freshman year of high school. Uh, but he's six five, about one hundred and eighty, you know, pushing. How did they find out about him to invite to this kid? I don't know, but um, but he played as a freshman at Pierce, uh, multiple positions. I think he was. I mean, he was a wide receiver, tight end. Uh, he was. I think he was their punter. I mean, he did a lot of different things for for Pierce as a freshman, and um, he went out. And I tell you what, he. I mean, he was he was holding his own with all those guys too that hold multiple Power Five offers. And so, I mean, he's a he's a guy to know going forward. So. I mean, and that's just the tight end position. I mean, it was it was a really really good camp. I'm excited. We get to go to Pierce now for a couple of years. Yeah. In state tour. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We, we, I've been there. I've been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll be going there at least for two more years in a row mm-hmm. uh, with Ben Bramer. But yeah, Fedoni. Um, you mentioned um, Avante Dickerson was there, but he did this very limited stuff, so you didn't get a good taste of him. Mm-hmm. No, uh, really, Brett's was, Kobe Brett's wasn't there either. But yeah, he's got a he's got a banged up knee apparently. Uh, but yeah, Avante was there. I was really excited that he showed up. I had heard that he might be showing up, um, and he went through warm ups and everything, and didn't didn't test out, and then just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> yeah, it did, he did one he did one one on one rep. And uh, didn't go so well, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. So he I, left the place. He was gone. He was gone. He he just he left. I don't know. I don't know if he got banged up and 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 decided to to leave, or or if he just didn't. It wasn't very happy that he lost his first rep or or what. I don't know what happened. I don't know the whole story in that, but was disappointed that I didn't get to see more of him. Now, Nate, I'll be curious with uh, the tight end position with Carney, James Carney. I mean. I know they want Fedoni as that number one spot, but you know we've seen AJ Rollins and mm-hmm. haven't really seen him actually compete all summer in anything yet, and that that will be something to keep your eyes on. I mean, no Roll, Roll, Rollins better better make a move here well, quickly. Exactly. I I was disappointed that AJ Rollins wasn't there uh, because I really wanted to see how he kind of stacked up with with everybody else at that tight end group. Um, but I'll tell you what. I mean, James Carney, to me, I mean, if I were in Nebraska, um, you know, and they're taking two tight ends in this class, I, I would not be surprised if they ended up offering James Carney um, following the numbers that he put up uh, because I, I, we just went over Fedoni's numbers, right? So Carney came in at, at six, I think, four and a half, six, five. Um, was was uh, within a pound or two of Fedoni. Actually, ran a four point six forty yard dash. Uh, and he trained with Chris Slat, yep. who's a one of the best speed coaches in the country. I mean, he has worked with so many kids over mm-hmm. the years and got them ready. And so it, clearly, the training is shown with his numbers. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, he he was slightly faster than Fedoni. Um, I think he he was maybe within an inch of Fedoni's vertical uh, jump. 
and uh, and he was, I mean, as far as his his route running may not have been quite as crisp as Fedoni's, but um, he wasn't far off. And so, I mean, to me, I think if if you're Nebraska and you're taking two tight ends in this class, and and AJ Rollins hasn't made a decision yet. I, I would not hesitate to uh, to offer James Carney, and uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that did happen. You know, from talking with Carney, it sounds like Nebraska is is some as a school that's keeping in touch with him as much as anybody. That's talking with him as much as anybody else. And he said that he's actually seen his recruiting take off and, and become you know more hectic since he made that commitment. That Miami, Miami of Ohio commit's not a solid commit. No, I mean I, that that's like all right, I got a seat at a table in a yeah. restaurant, but there might be a lot of better restaurants that come open here i'll say this and and it's not because i james carney you know i know people have their opinions of of kids that commit somewhere and then decommit or whatever but um i don't think he's going to end up at, at miami of ohio he's he's way way better than that all right well plenty of coverage uh, make sure you're on husker online as hopefully by this time next week we might know what this schedule will look like here <laughs> for 2020 Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.